You've probably noticed over the last years that I am a very repetitive person. My mind is very small, and I have to repeat things over and over and over again. Otherwise, I will forget them. And frankly, I assume that I am not alone in this, and some of you are like that with me. One phrase you've heard me say a hundred times if once is that you and I need to trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Another one is you and I need to do things for our joy, for God's glory, and for the growth of his kingdom. And one that I was able to speak to a bunch of Toastmasters this week is that a man is someone who is both willing and able to take responsibility for himself and for those who are depending upon him. And that is a message that I am trying to repeat to my boys over and over again as well. And today, I want to preach on another phrase that I'm sure most people in this room have heard me say at least once, and one that I gather from Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and that is that you and I are blessed so that we can be a blessing. I take it from Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that I'm blessing you for the purpose that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will dishonor. I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Abraham was a very important person, but he wasn't important because he was rich. He wasn't important because he was relatively powerful in the region he lived in. Abraham was important because God chose him, among many other things, to be an example of what it means to be a man of God. Abraham is an example of courage. Well, except of course for the times that he wasn't. And those are also included in God's word for among other reasons to show us that God can use very fallible, very weak, very sinful people. But we can take comfort in his courage, we can take comfort in his faith because we too can rejoice that God can use someone even as sinful and finite and weak as me. And so, here in Genesis 12, we find that Abraham is to be an example as a conduit of blessing. What I mean by this is that he's kind of like a hose. You have a hose bib on this side of the yard, but you need water over here. And there's a number of ways you can do that. You can take fill up buckets and dump the buckets, or you can be a hose that connects to the source and then goes along the grass, or more likely wood chips in my yard, and get to the place where you need the water. And Abraham was to be like that hose. God is full 
of blessings. And he longs to pour out those blessings, to send them out so that many, many, many people can have them. And, as the Reformers are fond of saying, he likes to use means. And you are that means. You are that hose that goes from the hose bib and goes across the dry yard to feed your fruit tree. You and I are blessed so that we can be a conduit of that blessing so that we can pour God's blessings on others. The key phrase tonight, the big idea, is to be the blessing you were blessed to be. So tonight I want to look at a psalm that clarifies the goal that God had from the beginning of creation to be us, to be the blessing He has blessed us to be. And He made that explicit here in the Genesis 12 passage. And if I had time to explore more of the covenantal background that goes into it, I would. But we find then in Psalm 67 how you and I, God's people, are to be that uh, vehicle of covenant blessing. And so I want to read our passage today, which comes from Psalm 67. The psalmist writes, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face to shine upon us, Selah. That Your way may be known on earth. Bless us, Lord, so that Your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for You judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. Amen. Now, the first thing that biblical scholars note about this passage is that it's clearly related to an earlier passage. And this particular passage is found in Numbers chapter 6 where God commands Moses to command the priests how they are to bless His people. And he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is the, what's called the Aaronic blessing. The blessing of the priests, the sons of Aaron upon the people of God. And we see a lot of similarities. Both of these passages invoke God's blessings. Both of these passages ask for God's face to shine upon us. Both of these passages invoke God's grace, His willingness to give us what we don't deserve. And both passages invoke God granting peace to His people. And the chief difference between these two passages is that the psalmist, instead of limiting it to Israel, God's national people, the psalmist is intentionally invoking these blessings on everyone. And he's using God's people to be that hose that carries God's blessing and making it known. Now, 
also not widely known, except to Old Testament geeks like Pastor Benji and myself and others, one of the things that the book of Numbers is famous for, or ought to be famous for, is that this recurring theme that the Israelites, God's people, blow it, God, God blesses them. God's people blows it, God blesses them. It's, it's this recurring theme that God wants. He longs to bless people. Turn to me and be blessed, God says. My friends, if you get nothing else out of tonight, please hear this. God longs to bless you. God longs to give you exactly what you need. And part, a big part of what that blessing for you is, is that you get to be the hose that stretches across arid land in the culture that we live in. And that blessing is that you get to be a blessing. Tonight, if you hear nothing else, be the blessing you were blessed to be. Now let's look at our passage more closely. My first point from verses 1 and 2 is that we receive to give. That's the point. We receive so that we can give. Verses 1, 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among the nations. Another old saying that gets repeated quite often is, never ask for patience. Because God will give you reasons that you have to be patient. Now you laugh, and I laugh as well, because it's funny. We've all said that, don't ask God for patience. And we jokingly say this because, frankly, none of us like to suffer. I mean, come on, raise your hand. You like to suffer? Right? But behind this joke that we tell lies a subtle but deadly belief about God that lurks in our hearts. The belief is that God is actually a stingy God. The belief is that God only gives us bread and water and what's quote-unquote good for us. Remember your parents, I'll give you what's good for you. But what's good for us is never pleasant. This, this is the wrong belief that's lurking somewhere in the back of our minds. My friends, this is a lie. and We must reject it. God is not a stingy God. God is not a God of bread and water. God is a God of tri-tip and salsa. Thank you. I need an amen for that. Come on. Come on. I need an amen for that. Psalm 84.11 says, No good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Did you, ever, did you ever think, stay with me for a second, man, I don't know if I'll have enough to make it, whatever enough is, because my resources are running thin. I don't know if I can help this person out because I don't know if I'll have enough for tomorrow. I've thought that. 
I've had that thought, well, I don't want to be generous to this person because if I'm generous to this person, then, you know, maybe I won't be able to go out to eat later. Or maybe I won't have enough to do whatever it is I'm planning. My goodness, that is exactly the theme of this world. Because if you're trusting in cash, how much cash is enough? Rockefeller was famously asked, how much more do you need? Just a little more. If you're trusting in, you know, your alarm system on your house, well, how good does that alarm system need to be before it's enough? You name one thing in this world that you can trust in that'll be enough. That's what I thought. Our resources can't give us enough because it's just not there. But our passage makes it clear to us God's resources are. God doesn't want to give you unpleasantness because he wants to treat you like a little bad, bad little boy or girl. God wants to overwhelmingly bless you so that others will see him as good and God is more than willing to save And you and I live in a sin-sick world. And sometimes what is good for us is unpleasant. That taste of lima beans in the back of your throat. But when you're eating your steak, you got to eat your lima beans too. While we're eating those lima beans... While we're taking the unpleasantness, you and I can still be the blessing we were blessed to be. Why? Because our job on earth is to make God look good. Not look good as in applying makeup to an otherwise stingy, ugly face, but make Him look good by giving people the right picture, an accurate view, not of a stingy God who only gives you what's good for you, but of a God who longs to be a blessing to you and therefore be a blessing through you to others. In your life, when you got to eat those lima beans, the, things, the thing to remember is that you can show, you can demonstrate, you can live confidence that God is giving you these lima beans because they're really what you need. And it really is good for you. And you can say, praise you, Jesus. I'm going to take this because I know I'm getting it from the hand of the all-good, all-gracious Creator who loves me and will never leave me nor forsake me. Because... When the world sees you winning, when the world sees everything in business going well, when the world sees all your families healthy, and you're going, woohoo, praise Jesus! Well, that's not very much of an impression. But when they see you chewing on them lima beans, and you're still praising Jesus, that, my friends, is when they're going to be able to see that you are the blessing you were blessed to be. 
Every single one in this room has received much good from God. So even when life is hard to swallow, be the blessing to those who need it. And one way to do that is our next point. Speak well about God. Take this from verses 3 to 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Now, in the New Testament, you've heard me say this before, but I'll refresh your memories. There are two words that are translated to bless. And one of these two words is always God blessing us. We, the New Testament never uses that word for us referring to God. And it, it's God, the superior, the one above, who is pouring down favor on those who are down below, namely me and you and everyone else. And that is exactly what we need. But there is another word, and it's um, what we do for God. When James says in 3.9, with our tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people and are made in the, who are made in the likeness of God. But I remember reading that years ago and thinking to myself, how is it that sinful, finite, weak human beings can bless God? I mean, what do I have that I could give to God? Well, it turns out there is something that we can give, quote-unquote, to God. And that is to speak well of Him. In fact, that's literally what the Greek word is, to speak well of. People know best, they, people know God best when they see God in you. Do God, people see a stingy God, a grumpy God when they see you? This shames him. It, it blasphemy because it declares God to be someone and something that he is not. Do people see a gracious God, a giving God when they see you? This praises him. It is humanly speaking the only way that you and I ought ever to talk about God in terms of saying, Lord, you are the great giver. And even though my resources can't accomplish the things that I need them to accomplish, yours can. Because God guarantees the resources you need to give glory to Him, whether times are lean or times are fat. When the psalmist calls God's people to bless God, he is calling you and me, so to speak, to live so that others recognize that our hope is in Him and not in tri-tip, not in money, not in any other thing that we can name. And this makes God look good. To people who are far away from the hose bib. And they're all the way across a desert ocean, so to speak. And they can't get there. God sends the blessings to water their tree. And He does it because you and me are the hose that He uses to bless him, bless them. Now, 
time would fail me if I gave you all the ways, different ways the Bible talks about doing this. But one of the most common ways of this kind of speaking well of God, of living in such a way that other people know that he is a great God and not this ugly, stingy, fake God, is generosity. Proverbs 11, 24, 25 uses this hose image. One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. Now remember that ancient Israel was almost completely only an agricultural economy. Cash, although it did exist, was far less important than how many chickens and goats and cows that you had. So sharing one's wealth was not so much about emptying your bank account because your bank account was in your front yard. You shared your eggs, you shared your milk, you shared your bread. And the kind of person who lived in this way was the kind of person who was blessed by God. Again, this isn't a prosperity theology verse. Send in $100 and you'll get $10,000 next month. No, that is blasphemy. That is heresy. But that's not what this is saying. A former pastor put it like this. Sharing your money, sharing your resources may not mean that you're going to get an extra large paycheck next week. But it may mean your tires last longer. It may mean that you have more, longer in, in between needing some major repairs on your car. Now again, don't hear this wrongly. This isn't a prosperity theology gospel. But what it is, is that God can bless you. And that may not always come with money. It may come by someone coming over and visiting you when you need it. It may mean a warm meal and a friendship when you need it or when someone else needs it from you. And my friends, it is this kind of generosity. It is this kind of loving God and showing Him in all the glory that He is is how you and I can be the blessing we were blessed to be. Now, most of us in this room don't keep our bank account in our front yard. But we can use our resources, as I said, to buy a cup of coffee for a young mom who needs an older woman to give her perspective on child raising. L let me talk to the grandmas here for a second. There are some 20-year-old girls who come to our church who need some perspective on child raising. I'm not going to name names, otherwise I'll be in hot water next week. <laughs> but you've seen it, haven't you? You've seen some young moms who need some help and understanding. Sweetie, that's not really something you need to major in. You need to be thinking more about this. Men, what might this look like instead? What about lunch for a young man who needs to see what it means to live a life of responsibility? Dads, grandpas, come alongside those young men 
who need to understand it's not all about video games and toys and catching the latest football game. It's about being a man. And where are they going to learn that? On television? Fat chance. Men that's in this room, that's where we come in. and Bring those young men along. What about helping out that widow who may need cash to pay her electric bill, but really what she needs is a loving hand to hold hers. The Bible everywhere extols those who are generous as those who are honoring God. And those who honor God, He will honor. The Bible everywhere extols those who are generous with their time and their resources because we are speaking well of God. He's not a stingy God that we have to be afraid of. Oh, will I get enough? The answer is yes. And part of his blessing is that you get to be that hose to carry the blessing that comes from him and goes out to places that are desperately in need of water. And that's where we get to our third point. Live with God in the right place. I take this from verses 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the earth's ends of the earth fear Him. The psalmist ends with a declaration that we have already been blessed. The earth has yielded its increase. You have food in your cupboard. You have gas in your tank. You have water in your home. God has blessed you. And that's why you and I can be a blessing. And maybe you don't have a bank account that reflects much abundance. But you have an opportunity to walk alongside someone and usually that doesn't cost a whole lot of cash. But there are times when you don't. When the blessings haven't come in in finances or in terms of your bank account in your front yard. And two weeks ago, we talked about that. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor food fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the yields, fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice not in my lack. I'm not rejoicing because of my lack. That would be a masochist kind of a thing to say. That would be irresponsible. That would be not true to life. Habakkuk doesn't rejoice in the lack of whatever it is he's missing. It says specifically in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Because material blessings won't always come. But if you are a daughter or a son of the King, all the blessings you need to know Him now and in eternity are already yours. And sometimes we need 
those material things stripped away so that we can see him all the more clearly. And I know that I am talking to people who in this room know that fact more experientially than I do. And I'm humbled by that. Now, there is a fair question that must be asked and answered at this point. That's all fine, Pastor, but we live in a world where we need money. Fair enough. That's true. I'm not denying that. We need things in this world in order to live. You know, I, I've told some of you the story. I remember um, I went on a hospital visit and I had to drive like 40 miles to go to this hospital visit. And I thought to myself, man, the Apostle Paul never had to drive 40 miles to go to a hospital visit. You know, 40 miles would have been a really hard two-day hike for him. But he didn't have a cell phone. And he didn't have a Toyota Camry. And he didn't have these other things. And so God has blessed me with these things so that I can be here and 40 minutes later be there holding someone's hand while they need to have a hose, a conduit of blessing. Yes, we need material things. And God has given us much wisdom in His Word on financial stewardship, on stewardship of the things that we have. And I'm going to be the last person that says give away everything you have. And I know that when we are the kind of person that looks to the Creator and not to the creation as the provision, food, water, clothing, shelter, blood, and air that keeps us alive, when we are looking to the Creator for these things, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything you needed to be the blessing you were blessed to be. Fundamentally, this psalm is a prayer and an exhortation that is designed to encourage your heart and mine so that we will be a blessing because God has blessed us. You are the blessing God gave to the woman in a crisis pregnancy. You are the blessing that God gave to the lonely child who is desperate for affection, attention, and love. You are the blessing that God is sending to the young parent who's in desperate need of respite. You are the blessing that God is sending to the working father who never can catch up. That's who you are. You are the hands and feet. You are the means of God in your community. And I bet if you took one moment to look around, you would find someone in your friendship and your family circles that are in need of your blessing, your influence. So bless them. Not necessarily with money, but that may be also. Bless them, and you will discover that Jesus was right. The Lord himself has said, it is more blessed to give than receive. So be a blessing. Be the blessing that God has blessed you to be. You've heard me mention World Magazine. Uh, I am a 
subscriber to the online edition of World Magazine, and I love it. It, it is more of an editorial news magazine than it is a, you know, what's happening right now in Syria, for example. But it's written from a decidedly Christian perspective. And I believe most of the people who are authors and editors are Reformed Christians at that. But one of the things that I really like is they have a, uh, an award every year they give called the Daniel Award. And the Daniel Award is one that they give to someone each year that serves a higher purpose and very often unknown and always unpopular with the world that despises people who are working for justice. Last year, you can go to the next slide, I didn't, there we go. In 1984, a congressman with very little international experience and no third world so-called experience jumped on a plane and went to Ethiopia and he got to the U.S. Embassy there in Ethiopia and he said I want to go to where the famine is and the embassy staff at the Ethiopian embassy had no idea how to fulfill his request he, I, I don't know so this congressman called up and he found that World Vision was there and he jumped in a truck or whatever it was and went off. He left his security at the embassy and jumped in a World Vision truck and found this. And you can tell that his heart was breaking. He says later that this day changed his life. He was already a Christian, but he understood at this moment that Something needed to be done. Frank Wolf, congressman for 34 years, retired last year, began a journey, a journey to see the ravages of drought and famine, and ended his career having freed dozens of political prisoners, having averted, helped avert, and obviously he's not the only one doing this, but helped avert wars. And he was one that uncommon friends would unite around him. For example, Democrat Tony Hall from Ohio said of Wolf when they went to Romania and they discovered how bad the Ceausescu regime really was, said of him, Frank was not only outspoken, he just wouldn't let it go. He went to the Reagan White House and said, you got to take this nation's most favored nation trading uh, status away. And people on both sides of the aisle just couldn't be bothered. This is a small country. It's a petty tyrant. You know, what do we have to do with this? But he as Tony Hall said, he just would not let it go. And after months of petitioning, he finally convinced Reagan to drop Romania's protected status. And two years later, Ceausescu was ousted from power. Now, I don't care who you are. If you know anything about that man, you've got to be glad that he is out of power. And you also have to understand, Frank Wolf did not do that all by himself. He had help. But here was a man who understood what he had been given. 
He understood the blessing that was given to him. And he acted correspondingly. Now, I doubt that anybody in this room is ever going to topple a dictator's regime. That's not who we are or where we are. But do you think you could topple a dictator of Satan in somebody's heart by coming along them and being the conduit, the hose of God's blessing poured out in their lives so that they can flee decades of slavery? Maybe. Not on your resources or mine, certainly. But God has blessed you and you can go out and be the blessing that God has blessed you to be. Hang in here with me over the next several weeks because we're going to stay on this topic. Let's do it. Lord Almighty, thank you for the opportunity to come before your word again tonight and to be humbled, to receive the enormous blessings that you have given us and to be the hose, the conduit that spreads this blessing to many. God, give it to us so that we can give glory to you so that our hearts may be filled with joy and so that your kingdom may expand. In Jesus' name, amen.